We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Brew Hoop Podcast, the Daylight Sleepy Time Edition. Uh, everybody go reset your clocks. I'm sure you've already done it by the time you got this podcast, but if you haven't, go do that. Public service announcement. Uh, I'm Riley Feldman. Kyle Carr is not with me this week. He is recovering from a uh, what I hope to be a joyous wedding in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Kyle, sleep in, get some good rest, uh, and to help cover for Kyle's absence, I'm thrilled to have one of the Brew Hoop staff regulars. Uh, he's been on a couple of pods in the past, Andrew Goodman. Andrew, how are you this morning? Riley, good morning, and thank you for having me on. I mean, you must be down pretty bad if you know you have to go through all these um, regular Brew Hoop potters to get to me, but. Again, thank you for having me on. Really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, uh, it, it was tough because I was like starting to ask some of the commenters. I was like, look, can anybody step in? <laughs> anybody? And I was like, all right, I guess it's going to have to be Andrew. Yeah, uh, kind of like the Buck situation. They have no one healthy. So it's like, <laughs> let's go to the local Kroger and ask some of these uh, grocery baggers if they can suit up at the four. <laughs> If you were to if you were to describe yourself as one of like the deep bench guys for the Bucks, who's like coming in getting minutes just because there's no other bodies, who is your like spiritual bench oh, player? Super, 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 super poor man Jordan Nora. Because all I do in the rec camp out for three and play absolutely no defense. I probably can't even guard a chair. So. You know, Jordan Orr is a fantastic offensive uh, basketball player, but in terms of being super, 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 super poor man version of someone, it would have to be Jordan Orr. I like to think of myself as like a super, 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 super poor man's Georgios. Like, you know, they, they're just not <laughs> even going to play me. It's not that Gorgios, and we'll talk about him. He had a, a single highlight play against the Pistons, which, you know what, for somebody who is almost assuredly going to be out of the NBA within a couple of months. Uh, to have one career highlight in the NBA, that's pretty good. So More than all of us combined, right? That's more than the rest of us. So um, before we talk about the games, uh, we'll just do a quick roundup of where the team is at in terms of uh, injuries, because everybody's injured. Um, so Chris has COVID, uh, unfortunately. I think, I don't know if we ever found out if he is or is not vaccinated, but he's been out like, for the past week, I think they first said he was like just sick and then they did a test as like, oh, it's actually COVID. So uh, it's kind of a downer. We've been without Chris. Drew uh, played against the Knicks. He came off the bench against the Knicks. Uh, we're recording Sunday morning, so we don't know if he'll be starting or coming off the bench again uh, tonight against the Wizards. And then Dante and Brooke continue to be out with no uh, updates whatsoever about what their status is. So uh, kind of sucks. Everybody's injured, but I think we're doing okay. All things considered, I don't know, Andrew, like everybody's concerned right now about this balance. Like 
Giannis is playing too many minutes mm-hmm. at the five uh, or people like overexerting themselves because everybody's out. What is like your panic meter level in terms of injuries where we're at? Like, are we punt? Are we going to be punting the early season too much? Like, where are you at with all that? You know, I'm pretty low on the panic meter and losing games isn't fun, you know, even in the regular season and just coming off of a title season. So anytime you're losing is um, disappointing, but I think we also have to remember a, who we're dealing with on the roster and who's out and where the Bucks have come along throughout the years. So losing these games, to me, really doesn't matter just because, as I said, so many guys injured. And for me, I guess my panic meter isn't more so for the team. It's for Brooke Lopez because we really have no idea what's going on if he hurt his back on the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. You know, that ride can be pretty herky-jerky. <laughs> it's intense. It's intense. Right? And Dante's... <laughs> Uh, ankle injury against the Heat in last postseason we got that was pretty serious attendant tendon injury so that's going to be a while understandably but we absolutely have no idea what's going on with Brooke Lopez again he is getting up there in age and you are seeing the, the absence of Brooke Lopez is absolutely just killing the Bucks. granted that's kind of been a blessing and a curse because we are getting some Giannis at the five and he's learning getting some good reps there but you know, Milwaukee's defense and overall rebounding and offensive rebounding is going to go by the wayside without Brooke. And it looks like he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, I I love all the conspiracy theories about like he's not actually injured because people are right that if you go back and you watch any of the Nets game, there's not really a clear moment where like he hurt himself. Now, it's a bit strange that we would play him in the first game if the whole idea was just like, just chill out, Brooke, unless we were literally like, we want to cream the nets, which we did. So maybe it was, right. it was all Revenge worthwhile. Game, Revenge game. Um, but like, I, I like the conspiracy theories about him not actually being injured. Uh, I don't know. It's it's so tough because you're right that it has pushed Giannis at the five lineups. And I think there is value in forcing all these guys to try and mm-hmm. figure out like a not a busted defense, but a radically different defense. Giannis is not capable of doing the drop zone. Bobby is right back to like giving 30 feet of space to a guy to try and like absorb them essentially. So like it's going to be getting a lot of knocks to get there, but I think it's good in theory. I think that's just the main issue is like, you especially don't have a Drew out there to help guide guys if they're doing a switching or a zone defense. And you don't have a PJ Tucker who is doing like similar stuff where, he walks in and immediately knows like what he's wow. all doing or how to like best work within a switching defense. Shemi doesn't seem to know that. And he seems uncomfortable with like when he is supposed to like do this or that PJ just seemed to have like a natural knack for that. And I think all these different things, combining new roster, uh, mm. not having your main defensive guys, like it, it, it sucks obviously. And the four and five record reflects that. And some of the frustrating performances, which we'll talk about were part of that. Um, but it's probably for the best, I would guess. Absolutely. You know, health overall is the utmost importance because you don't want to be having your regular guys playing, you know, injured and then limping into the postseason with a lot of question marks. So I would rather finish the season as a four or five seed worst case scenario, which who knows could happen and have a fully healthy 100% roster for the postseason. I, yeah. you know, I don't want to sound conceited or whatever, but. I don't really care about the regular season at this point. <laughs> You've evolved really past the need for the, uh, for the regular season. The Milwaukee Bucks just won a title. Mm-hmm. The regular se- this regular season is meaningless, except you're also Jordan War is getting r- really valuable minutes too. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. So like we were talking about earlier, it is a blessing and a curse, and it's not surprising at all to see the Bucks struggling 
on both ends, but more so defensively when you're missing just so many communicators. We know Chris is a pretty quiet guy, but he's pretty vocal defensively too. And, you know, like we said, Drew Holiday is one of the best perimeter defenders in all the games. So really no shocker that they're four and five as we're recording this podcast. Yeah. Well, speaking about getting shocked or lack of shockers against good teams, uh, we'll start wrapping up the week that was. Bucks start the week sort of Sunday nights, lose 107 to 95 to the Jazz. Uh, strange one because this might have been like the furthest down we've been in terms of like roster people. So Giannis and Thanasis get the start. Okay, great. Grayson's out there. Uh, and then everybody else. I mean, the who's who of what the hell are we doing out here? Uh, Justin Robinson gets like 25 minutes. Jordan Wara with like 23 minutes. Um, actually relatively competitive, all things considered. The Jazz were at pretty much full health. The Jazz are going to probably be one of the best teams in the West this year, as they have been for the past couple of years. Um, Rudy Gobert does not a lot in terms of scoring. He defers to Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson, uh, but he does enough on the defensive end where the fact that Thanasis is like sort of like our ostensible five and Bobby Portis is, especially this first game, this Jazz game, it's like his first real game back. He played a couple minutes in the previous one against whoever, who I can't remember off the top of my head right now, whoever the previous game, but that was like this jazz game oh, against the Spurs, I should say. Um, the jazz game was like the real sort of, okay, Bobby's back in the lineup sort of game. Um, I don't know. It was kind of all over the place. I, I know you were on flights. Uh, you were, you know, 30,000 feet in the air when this game was going on. Did you have any thoughts about the jazz game or was it, you know, kind of, you know, uh, actually small correction there. I was 40,000 feet in the air. Oh, sorry. That's so <laughs> a real, real um, point of emphasis here. So I did end up missing that entire game, but I did see when I landed, I landed at like eight o'clock at night, Phoenix time. Um, I did see that we got our inaugural, as we were talking about before we recorded. Um, Giannis was totally owning Rudy Gobert. I think it was on a, he either blocked them or it was uh, some post move into a dunk, one, one of the two. But, you know, the Utah Jazz, interesting. I feel like kind of regular season champs, um, good story, kind of relatively small market, but eh, I'm just eh on the Jazz. They're a very tough, not that tough of a team because they're a nice test in that Rudy Gobert is like, depending on how much of a bum you actually think he is. Some people think he's a total bum. Some people think he's less of a bum. Um, He's very unique as like a big man. Mm -hmm. It's just a very traditional big man uh, in today's NBA. And then like a Donovan Mitchell where he's sort of like an oversized guard. And then you have a Jordan Clarkson who comes in and just torches you off the bench. Jordan Clarkson, six of 17 from the floor. Uh, he goes five of 10 in the second half. And I think three of six in the fourth quarter and Donovan Mitchell goes like four or five in the fourth quarter, all enough to, even though the Bucks maintained contact and actually won the fourth quarter by three points uh, at that point, it just, you didn't have a chance to really chip away. And unfortunately when it comes down to like a close game, if you, if your counter to like a Donovan Mitchell and a Jordan Clarkson is going to be Giannis and like at best Grace Allen, uh, you're going to have a tough time. I don't, I'm just right. looking now. Thanos has got 15 shots up, for God's sake. Oh, God. If Giannis takes more than if Thanos takes more than five shots, it the game doesn't actually count. <laughs> I, the... I didn't even realize that Thanos has shot 15 times. Wow. That is sort of impressive in like the best way and in the bad, bad way and in the worst way. I'm actually looking right now at Thanasis game of the game of his life. Ten points, almost double double with nine rebounds, three assists, three steals. It's pretty hang the banner. <laughs> hang the banner. But yeah, uh, anytime 
you know, no disrespect to um, Justin Robinson, and it looks like he's made a few moments out of his NBA career this season with the Bucks. But anytime you're playing him, heavy workload and Thanasis is getting almost 20 shots a game. It's you're just expected to lose, especially with everyone out. And you know, I guess it sucks saying that defending champs expected to lose, but like we're going to keep hammering in this podcast. Like they apps have absolutely no one. Granted, Drew Holiday just came back Friday night, but in reality, they just had. No one to keep up with the Utah Jazz, so absolutely not surprising at all that they ended up losing this game, but stayed competitive. Yeah, yeah. the main thing is, like, okay, uh, a lot of these injured games, you have three out of your, like, four main guards who are already in the starting lineup, and so Justin Robinson is literally, unless you play Georgios, uh, he's literally the only guy who's being able to come off the bench, and that doesn't mean that Justin Robinson necessarily got exclusively, like, the Jordan Clarkson, but trying if you're trying to not give your guys you're starting guys like a ton of minutes, just playing like 40 minutes. You have to try and stack it somehow. And so Justin Robinson gets the call. Yes, he scores plenty, but he's just, he's too small to really be like a, he's got quickness, which is nice, but he's just, he's just too small to really defend. So nice that it was competitive, but uh, yeah, not the end of the world. I wasn't too concerned about that, but then Bucks go to Detroit they decimate the Pistons right back again. More injury trouble. I mean, it's essentially the same exact starting lineup. Bucks win though, one seventeen eighty nine. Uh, the main theme for me for a lot of these Bucks wins this year is um, how comically like overpowered are the other defenders against Giannis. Uh, the Nets game is a little bit different because that was full health for both squads, but. Uh, except for Kyrie, obviously, but against like these other teams where Giannis is the only guy, the main thing is, does the other team have a big man who can slow Giannis down enough that it forces us to go to the second tier guys as like creators um, or somebody who's going to be able to like create their own gravity and against the Jazz, obviously with Rudy Gobert, they have a guy or against the Spurs, they have a Jakob Puddle who has a guy who can stand in there and help adjust and force the ball out of Giannis's hands if he doesn't want to take a bruising. Uh, the Pistons don't have that. Isaiah Stewart is like a stout guy, but uh, <laughs> not exactly the best uh, Giannis stopper in the league. So uh, any thoughts from the <laughs> Bucks creaming yeah. the Pistons? Um, from what I was watching, I missed like the last five minutes of the game. But like you said, Isaiah Stewart was on Giannis for a little bit. They were throwing like quadruple teams at one point on Giannis in the baseline. Mm-hmm. But for some odd reason, I kept seeing... Trey Lyles, who I totally forgot was even in the league, was defending Giannis. And I'm like, wow, like that's a very bold strategy if you're having a guy like Trey Lyles defend Giannis. I mean, might as well just, you know, roll out the red carpet to the lane because that's going to be a bucket every time. But, you know, granted, the Bucks have just totally decimated the Pistons for every game's in the butt era. It seems like in, it's gotten to the point where I feel bad for our friends in Detroit. I don't, I don't know if they're friends, but that team just... They really have, it hate, pains me to say this because they really have no direction, no future. I'm really not sold on <laughs> Killian at all. Like any player that comes out of Gonzaga typically just busts. And this really wasn't a shocking win. Like we said, the Bucks just totally owned the Pistons, but I thought this was a very impressive performance um, from Giannis, not on both ends of the floor, protecting the rim, especially defensively. And, he made some really nine. He finished with nine assists that game. Uh, a lot of these passes he made out of this double and triple team were really impressive. Granted, they were tough passes, but for Giannis, they're pretty easy given his length and gravity. And he was just kicking it out all day to open shooters. And it was a great display of basketball on both ends from Giannis. Very impressive, regardless of the opponent. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when Sadiq Bay and Kate Cunningham combined to go four twenty-seven from the floor, it's 
going to be a tough one if you're the other team to try and win. Uh, Kate Cunningham looked awful. Uh, <laughs> he's yes, he he's been very bad shooting, which, I mean, he's a rookie. It's whatever, very early. Mm-hmm. But because Dwayne Casey, I feel even worse for Dwayne Casey because right. he rolls into, like, the Blake Griffin crappy Pistons and is like, try to make something work. And then they immediately go to, like, tank job. And it's going to be, like the Toronto Raptors all over again, where he'll stick around long enough to build the team up and then they'll eject him when it's like, all right, time for a different coach to take over. So sorry about that, Twain, but keep working it. Um, yeah, I think Keys, uh, Giannis, unstoppable. There was a lot of, like you said, it, not even just like, I mean, obviously the assists, but the calm, the control to find other guys. Uh, there was never like really any sort of rushed baskets. He had a lot of like nice moves. The four blocks, like, even if he wasn't blocking, there were so many balls where it just, after those four blocks, the threat of him either coming up from behind or being the guy who pivots in the paint to be able to stay in front of whoever, like, if they try to lob it or whatever, um, I think that went a long way to forcing bad shots from the Pistons, which that's the that's the key that what Brooke Lopez does. It's not so much that Brooke Lopez goes out there and blocks, but this was a game where if you needed, like, a Brooke Lopez-like performance, Giannis gave it to you. Um, he was efficient on the offensive end. Like, like I said, it was just three of seven, his three point shots dropping like crazy. We can talk a little bit more about that, but he's looked very good there. Pat Connaughton, good game. Justin Robinson, uh, again, too small, but against the team that's trotting out, like, I, I don't even know who the hell was coming off the bench for <laughs> Josh Jackson or Frank Jackson, uh, Corey Joseph. I mean, you know, it, it, the ability to make a couple threes, which I think Giannis fed him good for Justin Robinson, um, and then Bobby Portis, a, a good team for him to get involved against. Again, Pistons are a little undersized. I, I think they have like a true seven footer, but they didn't trot trot him out there until like the very. I think Luke Garza was it. They didn't trot mm-hmm. him out until the game was pretty much over. So this is another game where Bobby Portis can go out. And, and another thing is, we doubled the amount of made threes. They Pistons made eight. We made seventeen. That'll help yeah. out. That'll help out. So it's it's not unexpected but it was nice to see and i think Giannis, even after the game he was like uh on the post conference or the press conference he was like eric kane it's like we finally won one he's like I thought we were, he's like i i thought we were tanking so i, I think uh and obviously joshing around but it's probably nice to even just beat up against a crappy team because you know Giannis doesn't like losing i don't like losing either so i get it but uh yeah. No, especially, you know, losing to the Pistons at this juncture should count for maybe like 10 losses. One loss to the Pistons should equate to 10 losses, in my opinion. With all due respect to Detroit. If you, if you were made the NBA commissioner tomorrow, that would be the first rule you would impose is like a loss to the Pistons is 10 losses Absolutely. to your record. 100%. 100,000%. The Pistons feel bad for them. They also have to deal with the Detroit Lions, Detroit Tigers. That's mm-hmm. Just a moment of silence for anyone who was a born and raised Detroit sports fan, because nowadays it's it's tough. You know, I thought being a Bucks fan was tough, but I don't think we, I could survive being a Pistons fan. I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could either. It's been tough. The, the main issue is Stan Van Gundy totally screwed him right, by trading absolutely. for Blake. I mean, what the hell was happening there? Did <laughs> literally, and then they immediately got rid of him like two months later. I mean, what the fuck are you doing, Pistons? So uh, interesting. The only other guy I would uh, highlight for the Bucks, Jordan Wara. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes off. I don't know. What do you do in the fourth quarter? Okay. Two or four in the fourth quarter. I think he went five to 10 in the second half. Uh, a lot of his shots. Jordan's really strange because mm-hmm. 
he'll like go god mode and all the garbage jumpers he'll be like a it's almost like a devin booker or like a chris paul in the finals are just like these are just garbage total garbage and they're going in and it's the most frustrating thing but like good for him i guess uh, but and like i talked about i think at podcast a couple weeks ago he's sort of in my mind a lot like um I can't. Oh, uh, like uh, Bryn Forbes, where if he's on, you're like, keep feeding him the ball. Just keep right. getting it to him because he is making everything. When he is off, I'm like, what the hell is Jordan Mora throwing up some of these shots for? Uh, so it, he kind of had a more limited role in the Knicks game. So I would like your thoughts. I think Jordan Mora is one of those players who has a lot of promise among Bucks fans. I think, especially for a team like us, where we're sort of empty on draft assets and the ability to keep getting younger guys. His improvement is critical to seeing where we can go with this rotation in the future. What have your thoughts been so far on Jordan Moore this season? Um, you know, last season was sort of mixed because he played like right. less than half the games, but how, what have you thought about him so far? This You year? know, generally roller coaster like it is with most of these young guys, but I've been, you know, totally fine with his performance this season. Granted, he's being thrusted into a bigger role than probably anyone would imagine coming into this season. So I think he's handled getting extra minutes, extra run defensively, offensively, very well, very professionally. And I think if we're doing a comparison here, he kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Jordan Clarkson where he's going to come in, maybe play like eight minutes, but he'll put up 12 shots, go four of 12. But it, it's just so evidently clear, in my opinion, that he's got the tools offensively. This man can get a bucket a lot. Of, he had a super nice, we'll talk about this later, but he had a super nice crossover into a step back on Friday against the Knicks with a handle on his face that was super pretty. I don't know if he's going to get there defensively, which could be his downfall. But then again, I sort of think that once the Bucks are healthy, you can sort of mask his um, defensive inefficiencies. Granted, I doubt Bud even wants to consider masking someone's def- defensive inefficiencies on the championship caliber team. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the Bucks are depleted, don't really have any draft assets, which for me is totally fine. If you're a contending team, draft picks don't matter at all. Yep. in basketball. So Jordan Nora, up, you're going to get a lot of up and down. Sometimes it'll be four games up, then three games down, one game up, three games down. So I think he's handled himself very well this season. I agree. It's just, it's the consistency thing. Right. Like if, if you're thinking like a poor man's Jordan Clarkson, the main difference between the two is not so much that Jordan Clarkson is a great defender. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that a guy who is a negative, like on ball defender, if you can just work on some of the anticipation for a guy. And we've seen that with Jordan war so far this year, we're like his anticipa- anticipation, his positioning where, okay, it's a busted defensive play. You have like a KD or somebody driving at you and like, you're the last line of defense. You're maybe you're undersized. Maybe you're not going to be able to like just body the guy, but can you anticipate enough to make the shot somewhat difficult? That would be ideal. So that, uh, and we'll see if he gets there, but the difference is, can you then be a consistent like scoring threat night after night? So much so that uh, it either becomes impossible to play you or to not play you, or um, you're enough of a threat that it helps open up some of the other guys. Because part of what makes a Jordan Clarkson or a, uh, um, a Lou Williams type somewhat valuable is like not only can they get their own shot, but on a bench unit or a bench heavy unit, you need somebody who's going to be able to help like create a little bit more gravity, pull the defense towards them to get the other guys involved. And if Jordan Moore can get there, that would be excellent. It's just right now it's on a game to game basis. It's like, wow, he's really hot or wow. He's really not. It, it, he has moves. He has like, like is that step back moves? Mm-hmm. Um, he's very good at like, if he gets a man defender on the perimeter, trying to like 
do like a hesitation to get past them. Like he has moves and that's all good. It's just, can they be consistent enough or can he get it like score consistently enough? Uh, Cause that's all like, it's a lot of tough shot express type stuff, For sure. which Chris is fine with. It's not like we haven't seen that before, but it, it takes a while of work to be able to get like, okay, tough shot express that becomes a successful like series of moves he can do. And I think you bring up a great point. If Jordan Warren can really just do something, defensively and I know that sets the bar pretty low for an NBA player but if you could just do something on the defensive end I think that would raise the ceiling a lot yeah it's just tough because like he's he's pretty tall too like he right. he's he's like a bigger guy so it's like if he could just yeah <laughs> if he was a little if he was like a smaller guard it would be like oh you know yeah we could try it hide you we we hit Jeff Teague we were able to right. do that so maybe there's a way we could do it but uh, NBA champion Jeff Teague to you actually right <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> We love you, Jeff. We'll probably bring Jeff back, honestly. He will be back on the squad at some point, I'm sure. Uh, R.I.P. to Justin Robinson. R.I.P. Justin. I don't know. Justin's been okay. Um, But anyway, so Jordan Warren, keep working at your shooting. And we'll talk about you doing a little bit of uh, decent stuff against the Knicks. Friday night, ESPN game. um, Lose. Bucks lose in Milwaukee, 98 to 113. Uh, they couldn't have been more red hot in the first mm-hmm. quarter. They scored 38 points. Let me see. Let me pull up what their percentages were. Uh, they hit half their threes. They went 8 of 16 from three. I mean, what the hell? Grayson Allen alone made four threes. He had 14 points himself in the first quarter. And then it stopped. The, the, all the threes stopped falling, and it became trench warfare, and it was ugly, and uh, the Knicks just gradually – Based off of like Derrick Rose and like RJ Barrett's and Julius Randle, those three just chipped away and mm-hmm. the Bucks end up losing. So just thoughts, thoughts about the Knicks game. Yeah, I thought, as you said, they really couldn't have gotten off to a better start going up 21. And I don't know what they were trying, the Knicks were trying to accomplish defensively on Giannis, but it really <laughs> wasn't not. much in the first no. quarter. It looked like they were trying to pack the paint, but then again, Giannis was getting in there with absolute ease. Then a bunch of bodies would crowd on him, and Giannis was just making some of these beautiful passes to open three-point shooters, and Connaughton and Grace now, and all these guys were hitting on him. Granted, I did, that level of shooting is unsustainable, but with just with the volume of open looks, I thought, like, there's no reason why this can't keep up. Granted, like I said, mm-hmm. not to that extent. But like you said, it's just typical fibs where it just slow down the game in the mud, and you're just going to have Derrick Rose chuck up 20 god-awful shots that somehow go in and you know i was thinking to myself throughout this game like has derrick rose ever had a bad game against the bucks i mean poor brandon jennings this guy every time the bucks <laughs> faced the bulls derrick rose would just put brandon jennings in a coffin and there was there was a few years where you could say that the owner of the milwaukee bucks was derrick rose so throughout his nba career i'm gonna go ahead and say there is a thousand percent chance that derrick rose has not put up one dud against the Milwaukee Bucks. But, you know, I guess this this is going to go down as a good win for the New York Knicks. They beat the defending champions on the road. I don't think there's really a lot to take away. Well, there there is actually. Uh, Brooke Lopez, this was the game. We hit on it earlier. This was the game where, you know, if the Bucks had Brooke Lopez, I don't think this game would have even been close. The Knicks just, they beat the Bucks at their own game. They killed them in the paint. They killed them on the boards, and that's, what ended up killing the Bucks, and that's why they lost their lead is because they were just getting out-rebounded and out-muscled in the paint, and the Knicks just, you know, I guess credit to the Knicks. 
Bobby Portis is a horrendous rebounder um, for being somebody his size. I don't know if it's... You're you're so right about the Brook Lopez thing in a lot of different reasons, not only because of the ability to play the strong man on the inside where against a Derrick Rose, against a Julius... Julius Randle does like a mix of like mid-rangers threes, Mm -hmm. but he also attacks um, the paint. Having a Brook Lopez would be huge. You can tell, though, in a game like this where it, a lot of it was just like the Knicks being more athletic and like rising up and knocking the ball out volleyball style to themselves, you know? Right. Giannis is a capable defender, but he you can tell in a game like this, he's very used to being a free safety sort of type where, okay, Brooke is going to try and seal off one of the other big men. Giannis, you're going to have like an undersized guy compared to you trying to go for the rebound. That's why Giannis gets like crazy rebound numbers it, t- against the Knicks, seven rebounds. Uh, it's pretty low for a Giannis game. And um, it's just very obvious that he is a capable rebound, but he is not comfortable doing the Brook thing where, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my body. And that might be a direction from like a bud mm-hmm. to be like, you continue to do your thing. And Thanasis, you're going to try to be the guy who's going to seal somebody. And Thanasis is a little undersized. Lord so, help us. <laughs> so, like, it's very obvious that Giannis is not confident or, like, comfortable playing that role. And so we just give up an F load of rebounds. And Bobby, it part of it's he's a little undersized, but part of it, too, is, like, okay, the hamstring thing, like, maybe he's just not comfortable, like, jumping up for stuff. And when he did get the occasional rebound, you could tell he was getting pissed because, like, he would really, like, go up and, like, try to slam both hands on mm-hmm. it and then, it would, like, pop out of his hands. So, like, just a little bit better rebounding would have helped out. Um, what kind of other notes do I have? Oh, Bobby's defense was really bad, like really bad. It's just yeah. in the <laughs> against the Suns at his penultimate, which credit to Bobby, he is capable of getting there. But like the need for him in a pick and roll situation, he always goes under, which is fine, not the end of the world. But mm-hmm. then in going under, he doesn't go right back up to try and meet whoever the ball handler is at the point of attack. He backs off because he's doing like a zone drop defense, but he gives whoever the opponent is like eight feet of space and he essentially invites them on. And that's just not good because then your other teammates are going to be like, uh, should I hedge over to help Bobby here? It's just what it does is it leaves even perception wise, a opponent with the ball, what like totally unmolested at all. Like, and you're like, should I help out? It, it makes it tough. And then the other, the, guy with the ball can obviously read the situation and say, okay, I'm going to drive at Bobby. A defender is probably going to come with me because there's so much space. And then I can find somebody else to go out to. And so I don't necessarily blame Bobby because normally there's going to be a Brook. Normally there's mm-hmm. going to be a Drew to help navigate those pick and rolls, like that sort of stuff. But in a game like this, where he's going to be a primary big off the bench in some of the bench lineups, uh, probably showing a little bit more or like going and attacking, even if it then just leads to like the guy getting past you. But I think that would probably be preferable to like just waiting and giving the guy time to like, especially in the, like I said, in the Tibbs offense where it's already slow as it is, they're not going to like necessarily just immediately go for the attack. That's not what they do. So go out there and push into like, okay, you have to make some decisions here, but at least I'm contesting you to force you to make some decisions. And it's just frustrating to watch, I guess. Yeah, it is frustrating to watch. And I, it was at some point in the first half where the ESPN mic feed picked it up where I, Bobby Portis was on the floor and they must have had a miscommunication defensively or they blew a rebound and you could just hear Bud like yelling. And I loved it. I loved Bud getting on, getting on those guys. But, you know, it's all about 
defensively, if you're going to work the drop zone, that's great. But you need to make it somewhat difficult for the opposition to force them into either a tough like running floater or into like a jump pass. And we saw Derek Rose really exploit this against Bobby Portis, where he was just knifing through the lane really at will. He was mm-hmm. putting up a lot of floaters, which, you know, as we know, Derek Rose throughout his career is very good at that. And kicking it, kicking it out, Emmanuel quickly played a big, big role in um, cementing the, the Knicks' comeback. And like you said, it's these injuries to these guys are just thrusting um, players into positions where they normally wouldn't be. But this is the NBA. You know, you're going to deal, every team is going to deal with injuries. And it's not really, it's, it is an excuse, but at the same time, it's not an excuse. And you just got to be better. And it, I don't think at this point it's asking for a lot more. You know, we're just asking for a little more of a mm-hmm. concerted effort in the drop zone to where, again, just play up a few steps and maybe not roll out the red carpet to the rim. Because at this point, when you're dropping, your head is practically under the rim. Mm-hmm. You know, what good is that? It's just going to be, you're making it easier for the opposition to kick it out. Because if you're that, like you said, if you're that far down in the drop zone, someone's going to overhelp and it's going to leave someone open on the perimeter. or Someone is going to be open for an offensive rebound as well. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on the the Giannis lack of rebounding. You had a great tweet regarding Giannis, like just flying in for rebounds. You could just tell he was out of position so many times at the five late, especially late in the game. Just mm-hmm. didn't, it, he looked confused and I, I felt bad for the man. He's having to like, he's like, I'm literally the only guy on this team on the floor right now who has a chance of getting any of these. And it's just like, it, it's something like a Julius Randle. We'll talk about Shemi a little bit. And Shemi did, for the first time in his very short Bucks career, he like had some good defensive possessions. Mm-hmm. But again, so many times where it's like, we just don't understand the coverage. And like Giannis, he'll be playing like weak side defense and things will collapse so quickly that he's like, I can't possibly like get back in there past all these bodies to like get into position. So mm-hmm. like, again, a part of it is just, he's used to doing that and I don't blame him all that much. And eventually he won't have to do that anymore. Uh, but yes, it's, he is in a tough spot because it's just the rest of the defense is not helping him put it in not necessarily that everything has to be catered to him, but if then you expect him to like morph into like the rebounder guy, um, you have to put up a little more resistance or, but has to be like very specific Giannis. You have to like be in the paint. We'll figure mm. something else out. So it, it's just a bad combination of things come together. Well, I just want to touch on Shemi. We're going to, I know you said we're going to talk on him in a little bit, but you're leaving out a very important uh, footnote here is that he almost killed a person on Friday, which, you know, the hustle, oh the blue collar hustle diving into the third row off a loose ball that he had absolutely like probably had no business chasing after, but no. in a bar of super lows, that's probably his high point is almost killing multiple people on uh, Friday night chasing a loose ball. It's not that I dislike Shemi because I'm sure he's a fine guy, but it was very indicative of, I think he's feeling a little bit of the pressure of the fact mm-hmm. that he's made like no shots at all. <laughs> um, so that he's like, okay, well I'm going to be like the effort guy. But then so funny that he like launches the ball back and he immediately turns into like a Knicks highlight alley-oop dunk. <laughs> So then, like, the Bucks like, start trying, they're like, okay, well, what the hell? So then the Bucks like, start moving the ball, and, like, Shemi's, like, still in the stands. Or <laughs> like, I appreciate I appreciate effort like that because Lord knows every once in a while it helps, like, spark the defense or whatever. But I was right. like, oh, my God, if he does that and gets injured, too, on top of it, like, how bad could this guy's run really be right now? So, yeah, see, it looked like everybody was fine, but... A guy his size, his build, 
launching into the front row, right. like, oh my God, that would be the scare. I mean, you pay for the experience, but what a scary you experience. Know, it's, it's like from Anchorman where it's like, Brick killed a guy. Shemmy <laughs> killed Same a guy. <laughs> right. So everybody on the bench is like, did, I, did you guys see what I just saw? No, oh, Shemmy. Um, what else here? Oh, Drew played. Uh, came off the bench. Mm-hmm. Which any thoughts about Drew? He had, I think, he had seven turnovers. So not, yeah, I, not great. Know, but I thought the first he checked in. I think like midway through the first quarter. Um, I thought yeah. in the first quarter he was actually pretty fine. Uh, he made a really nice, impressive left-handed uh, pass to I think it was either Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton in uh, the corner for three. But as the game wore on, you could just tell that he is nowhere close to being in game, game shape, and it's it's going to take a few games for him to get back to uh, the Drew that we know. But, you know, just having him back is going to help the Bucks, no doubt. And the Bud game here is we really don't know who is going to play and who's not going to play. So we might get Drew Holiday for two games in a row, and then he might sit out the next game. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it might be Giannis. But at this point, I think Giannis is probably going to slap the crap out of Bud if he thinks about sitting him. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it could be me, you, Kyle, Adam. And uh, Giannis on the floor, and this guy would still want to play upwards of 30 minutes. So I don't think we're going to be getting any Giannis load management anytime soon. I think that's what's so admirable about Giannis is he just wants to play. He loves basketball, wants to play. But, you know, with Drew Holiday, it's great having him back, but it's going to be a while. It will. Uh, I think that's a good point about all the different load management or just having him back. Uh, The other one final point I would make about the Knicks game, it was really evident in the third and fourth quarters I love this because this was like the only scoop scoop. Yeah. Bud said this out loud, but at the one game that I did media for, for the team against the magic, um, I think it was Eric name asked like, Oh, like what's the balance between like calling plays? Cause this is another situation where the mm-hmm. bucks were on a bit of a skid. He seemed sort of like discombobulated and Boonholzer was like, Oh, 85% of the time, the guys just kind of go and make decisions on their own. I don't think it's that extreme, but in a game like this third and fourth quarter, it was so evident that that's what was happening it was like, <laughs> so what you're saying is play random, right? Essentially, essentially, yeah. I mean, that is like the the principle behind that underpins it all. But normally, play random means like we've worked out like some ideas of what we want right. to do and like randomly pick from that. Guys had no clue what the hell to do out there. George Hill, God bless him, he's playing way more minutes than he ever probably needs to. Hopefully, once Drew is back. Um, you know, he's used to that sort of system, but it's everybody else on the team. It's mm-hmm. a Shemi Oljale, it's a Rodney Hood, it's a Justin Robinson, it's like Jordan Wara, who's like still figuring out his place, Grayson Allen, like just the number of dudes, even Pat Connaughton a couple of times, Giannis tried to like do a motion with him or start an action with him and it just ended up in a turnover because they just a miscommunication. Part of it, part of the issue of what happened in the next game is like, Budenholzer was willing to like, okay, you guys are going to have to just figure this out. And that is admirable admirable Mm -hmm. because it does force guys to like, okay, understand the chemistry, understand some principles. What are our strengths? How can we break this streak we're on? But oh my God, this lead to some ugly basketball because the number of times it's like George Hill, he's on the wing, he's got the ball, tries to start an action. Rodney Hood's like, do I set a pick? Do I need to move here? George Hill starts trying to like get around his defender and he expects like a Rodney Hood or somebody else to help collapse or like come over to him to help give him like a, a way out. And they just don't do that. And that's really unfortunate. And it, it's just really annoying growing pains because like if we can just have three solid possessions where it's a design play, where it's like Giannis, you do this, George, you do this, let's just do what we can. Mm-hmm. Um 
you would think like if we could just break out of this, we might still win this one. And it was just really bad from everybody. Like how many we had fourteen turnovers, twenty personal fouls. Like that's a lot for the Bucks. The Bucks, Bucks, that's a ton of turnovers. Yeah, so it's just like that was very evident. I thought in a lot of games, like Mm -hmm. we just don't have the chemistry, and part of that is because the rotation is totally broken right now. Like we're missing four out of our nine main rotation guys. But that's the other thing that seemed obvious. It's not an excuse, but. Everyone, every NBA team is dealing with it, but the condensed off season two didn't help. And mm-hmm. I love that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, they wanted to represent their country in the Olympics. Yeah. But, you know, if you have the product of a short off season and Shemi was signed pretty, Shemi and Rodney were actually signed pretty late. So it's not like they had a ton of time to get acclimated. And then you throw in, of course, Middleton has COVID. Drew Holiday has an ankle injury that, he picked up against the Spurs the first time they met up, and Brooke Lopez is just somewhere in Disneyland right now, just on Splash Mountain or something, just chilling. So, yeah, we I mean, might see a lot more losses than we're accustomed to in the Bud Bucks era. But at the same time, health is what matters. And if, you know, the health sacrifices a few more regular season wins, then really doesn't matter. Yeah. It would just be nice to beat the Knicks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I I think Mitchell Mitchell would probably agree on that. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, we'll talk about, we'll have topic two here, but any final thoughts on the week that was high, lows, anything like that, or do you think we covered everything that you want to talk about from the week? You know, I will say uh, Bucks games when I was in Hawaii was a lot more enjoyable, partially because I didn't really even have to watch and I could just be (laughs) on the beach somewhere. So it was like a nice little back to reality. And the Bucks uh, blow a 20-point lead to the Knicks, so... We're back, baby. I wasn't even phased because this this week of Bucks basketball was like every week's a Bucks Bucks basketball for literally over a decade. So like they think they're gonna break me. Please, I'll break them before We've they break been me. Broken. We've been down bad for a long time. Yeah, it's just if they looked against the Knicks, I was like, this is like a eighth seed Bucks team. Like this is <laughs> this is sure. the kind of basketball I've been very used to watching for a long time. So the I didn't Joe Prunty even... Bucks basketball baby. <laughs> Uh, well, Joe Prunty, he did not have some of these acquisitions to work with that John Horace brought in. I think we're three weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're literally only 10 games into the season, so not even eighth of the way through. But what I would like to do here is, now that we've seen Shemi Ojale play, now that we've seen Rodney Hood play, now that we've seen George Hill, and obviously Grayson Allen, I want to talk about some of the new guys. Uh, we're going to exempt the draft picks because... Uh, mm-hmm. Sandro and Gorgios are not going to play at all uh, until the herd season, so we're just going to exempt them. I just want to talk about some of the new guys, how we're feeling, keep them, are they bus, what's the deal? I want to ask you a question, though, first. This is going to test your knowledge. Does, has Shemi Ojale scored more points or committed more personal fouls as a Milwaukee Buck? Well, if you're asking this, he is definitely committed more personal fouls than points, and when you add, he's like 0 for 7 million from the three-point line as well, and I know he's first up on the new Bucks acquisition that we want to talk about. It's It's been really disappointing. Granted, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, completely new system, new team, kind of being thrown into a larger role like a lot of these guys, but it's no excuse. This is the NBA. You have to stay ready. And what's disappointing is he's getting great quality looks at the basket from deep, and which is what the Bucks brought him in for, defense and three-pointers. And if you're not hitting your threes, then like – there's really no need for you to be on the floor because right now the Bucks are kind of not depleted in the shooters uh, category, but when you're down Middleton, 
Brooke Lopez and now Drew Holiday comes back, you need all the offense you can get. And at this point with Shemi, it's like, so what would you say you do here? And I don't want to be, I don't want to be too mean on the man because he seems like a great guy, but he's just buff, and that's pretty much it. And I, I was thinking that this guy is our worst version of Tory Craig, but he stays off of social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Shemi, it's interesting. I, I'm sure at this point he kind of has a longer leash due to the rash of injuries and going on. And I'm sure Bud doesn't really even care about the regular season, but it's just been really, really disappointing considering what you um, thought the Bucks were bringing him in for. And I actually thought at the time it was a good, good signing, but I guess maybe this is just eternal, internal sabotage since he was on the Boston Celtics. So maybe, maybe there's something to that going on. No, I'm just kidding. But anyways, uh, Shemi has been very, very disappointing because I don't think he's really had any highlights. I do think the highlights that we pointed out is almost killing someone. Mm-hmm. And then against the Pistons, he had a beautiful flop trying to do- draw a charge in the first half that didn't get called. But it's really all I can think of. Like, how have you not hit a three-pointer? That's that's pretty surprising on the amount of open looks that he's had. Um, I would agree. So to answer my riddle, he scored six points and he's committed seven personal fouls. So yes, you're <sighs> correct. Uh the thing with Shemi is, yes, he's missed a lot of threes, and there's going to be a certain level of like, okay, we made it through with PJ Tucker, where it's like, if PJ scored a two, you're like, holy crap, we're really like, we're cooking with gas right now. So I don't even expect all that much from like the defender guy. Right. It's, I don't know, it, it, I wonder how like the fact that he's essentially playing for his NBA career right now. Uh, he's right on the edge, and uh, he's getting a lot of minutes. Whereas PJ Tucker is going to be the constant comparison because it's like, oh, we moved him on so that we could bring in Shemi for like way cheaper. The thing about PJ was very sure of himself, very sure of his skill set, very sure of how he was going to fit in. Shemi so far has screamed literally none of that. Uh, he's right. he, he seems uncomfortable trying to figure out where he is in the defensive pecking order. Um, he. To his credit, so yes, almost killed a person, flop. He did have a couple of possessions where he was man-guarding Julius Randle on the block. And like I said, he's very buff, which is an NBA skill to be very like very bit buff and like knowing how to use it. He didn't body Randle, but he did enough where he was able to like sort of stand him up or whatever. Um, and if that's like what he does on a consistent basis, okay, we can work with that. You know, I don't really mm-hmm. care. Like, yes, please make a three. That would be... Let's please just make all three to get you off the schneid. I'm not too concerned about that. Um, it's more so like, what are you doing on the defensive end? Because when when PJ got here, you're like immediately you're like, oh my God, this guy's like, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows he's been here for like a week and he fits in perfectly with like what our switch defense is. And again, to Shemi's credit, it, it's been like nobody in terms of the rotation. Our defense is totally busted right now. But even then, there should be spaces for him to shine, and we are just not seeing it. Uh, and it's only four games, but it's super, super mixed, mega mixed and for Shemi. I think this could also be a situation where it does look a lot better once the Bucks are eventually healthy and have a full team, which God knows when that will be. But to his credit, I think I might be a little, little harder on our pal Shemi here. Is he does shuffle his feet very well defensively. He does stay in front of... <laughs> Defenders very well. And, you know, maybe when Brooke Lopez and Milton are back, this is an acquisition that Shemi will will start to play better because it'll take some of the load off of him. 
offensively where you can just sort of, like you said, like kind of like a P.J. Tucker thing where you can body someone, you know, make the hustle plays and you're not really too concerned what he's doing offensively, but with how many or how few bodies the Bucks have right now is, you know. But, you know, I, we should be patient, but at the same time it's hard to be patient with sort of end-of-the-roster type guys mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, well, could we potentially upgrade from this player or are we going to give him the benefit of the doubt? But, you know, I'm holding out hope that once Brooke Middleton and Drew are back up to speed that Shemi will start to get into the flow of things. Granted, he was dealing with an injury as well um, when the regular season started. So we'll see. There's really only been one bright spot for the new additions, and we'll get to that one later. Will Shemi be on the roster by the playoffs, yes or no? I think so. I don't think so. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a casualty of like some Toast. buyout guy. Yeah, I think, I think Jeff Teague. It's gonna be the Jeff Teague buyout. I things do not look good for Shemi right now. So maybe maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I do not expect him to be on the roster. Okay, other guy, uh, like I said, kind of a late pickup in the free agency period, Rodney Hood. Uh, he's made threes. He's shooting thirty five percent from three. Uh, early thoughts on Rodney Hood. Not much, I guess. Uh, he's done what we brought him in for, which is shoot the basketball. Um, mm-hmm. It's been pretty, pretty quiet, which I guess is better than you know just being terrible. Um, <laughs> so I guess when you have like minimal thoughts on a guy, that means they're not doing terribly. But then again, Rodney Hood was another guy that was like Shemi was dealing with an injury and just started, you know, getting into the flow of things. But I think in terms of like being on the roster, Rodney Hood is definitely a guy that's going to stick around for sure. I would agree. Uh, I've been impressed with his two-man game with Giannis in transition, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, I really like the way that they've played that. Um, he His athleticism is shot, uh, but even though it is shot, he gets tries to get up to like either contest or go up for rebounds a lot more than I was ever expecting him to. Um, he seems as like the 10th guy on the roster, I think perfectly adequate do not expect him to be a plus defender just expect him to hit the occasional three i mean for god's sake we're giving kyle corver like 20 minutes a game you know oh boy can, and god bless you kyle but you were horrendous on defense so if rodney can be like a slight net negative and like hit the occasional three you will have a spot in like a very limited role so it's not like he's impressed and been like wow this is way better than i was expecting it's about mm-hmm. what you would hope for and compared to like Shemi, that's pretty good. So Which is a uh, win yeah. in my book. It, yeah, if you're playing as expected, that is a win. And granted, I did miss I think three or four games due to vacation. But you know, I did at the be- at the time of the signing, I did like the Rodney Hood acquisition. Granted, he was coming off a pretty major injury. Achilles, football, basketball, baseball is super hard injury to come back from. So just seeing him out on the basketball floor is it's good to see. Yeah. Uh, will he be on the roster by the playoffs? Yes or no? Yeah. For sure, 100%. I would, I would agree. Okay. Uh, George Hill, mixed on George because he's playing a lot of starters minutes, my man George Hill. Yeah. Uh, but even then, flashes of old, old being previous George Hill every once in a while. Uh, I think he's been okay. What do you think? Shooting 45% yeah. from three. He's right back. He's back in Milwaukee, and he's, he's nailing right. his threes all over again. Um, George Hill, I guess I really wasn't expecting too much but granted when drew holiday goes down it's like okay well here we go drew Holiday, george hill is going to be starting playing heavy minutes um i think he's done a decent job you know all things considered having to play heavy minutes at this um point of his career granted he has a lot of familiarity with a lot of this bucks roster has really good chemistry 
with Giannis, which is pretty invaluable at this point. And, you know, um, was I a fan of bringing him back at the time, I guess? Maybe I um, <laughs> thought the Bucks might have gone into a gone to a different direction, but, you know, for the amount of minutes, the role he's had to really absorb due to injuries, um, just fine. Um, does have, has had um, some clunkers here and there, of course, but, you know, playing at his age is not really too surprising. And, you know, I always love seeing George Hill attack the basket, thinking that he's like 20 years old again. It's very admirable. It is super admirable. I should note he's playing on average six minutes a game more than he did in either of his seasons, mm-hmm. full seasons with the Bucks. Um, he, I don't know. It, it, he's he's also has like a 17.3% assist percentage, which is pretty good. His turnover percentage is also relatively high, but he's handling the ball a lot more than you'd expect. I think for him, the, the as before, the key is can he be better than Jeff Teague in limited minutes? He doesn't seem to be the same creative force that he was his first two years here. And even, like you just said, the whole driving to the basket thing, he could turn it on when his last right. go around here, especially in that Raptors series. But even like during the regular season, there would be games where it's like, oh, George Hill is just going to bail us out with like some impressive moves. It doesn't seem like he's fully there right now, and he might not be at all this season, which mm-hmm. is not the end of the world. The key for him is not so much what is he capable of, because I think he, he does have some baseline stuff. It's how much does the rest of the roster around him progress. Um, if he's going to be doing a lot of bench lineups, how does he build that chemistry? Is right. he able to use the like drive as a threat to force open a defense to then get to another guy? Um, it, it'll just be interesting uh, to see what they end up doing. But I think he's been fine for like a emergency starter, just like trying not right. to be in. He's an done F-op. what you kind of asked him to do. Yeah. All right. And I think we can agree that he will be on the roster by the yes. time the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, final guy here, the twenty million dollar man, Grayson Allen. Uh, you, you are not a Badgers fan, right? No, I absolutely, absolutely despise Sam. Yes, of course. Yeah, you're, you're a, the okay. yes. of course. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot you're a UCLA guy. That was, of course. How could I forget? So you didn't come into this with any sort of baggage whatsoever about having to like root for Grayson Allen, right? Pretty much. I mean, got Drew Holiday on the roster. He's a UCLA legend. But yeah, um, Grayson Allen. I know he hasn't made many friends for the fellow Badger fans out there. Yeah, he's a interesting guy. I I loved him because I'm a Gopher fan, so I was like, he's my favorite player ever. So when we <laughs> signed, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, let's let me just run through his numbers here real quick. So he started all nine games he's played in. He's questionable for tonight against the Wizards, um, but so far his shooting splits forty two percent from the floor, forty percent from three, uh, and he's shooting ninety one percent from the free throw line. Uh, his he's getting up eight and a half three-point attempts a game, which is Beautiful. three more three more attempts than he did uh, last year, which was a career high. So he's, like, really high right now. Um, Grayson Allen, thoughts, early thoughts. I, it, yeah, I, how do you feel about him versus, like, the Dante? Just let it rip, oh, whatever you think. Yeah, I don't think Dante is really too happy with how Grayson <laughs> Allen has performed because, you know, in just the season we've seen a lot from uh, Grayson Allen, and I don't want to compare him to Dante DiVincenzo because Dante does a lot of, things well on his own but I think Dante might be sweating over there in his rehab a little bit considering how well Dante has meshed with some of the starters he already has great chemistry with Giannis he really it looks like he understands his gravity gravity a lot on the perimeter knows where to get open knows where to be love that he's shooting at not only a high percentage but he's getting up a ton of threes 
per game, which is what the Bucks brought him in for. And yeah, this this might be one of the steals of the Bud era, all things considered. Grayson Allen is a difference maker, hustles defensively. I think he's a great defender. Um, he's that guy you just love to have on your team, but absolutely despise to play against because he will get under your skin. I mean, he gets under fan skin, and they don't even have any interaction with the guys. So I think mm-hmm. the early returns on Grayson Allen is one of the best pickups in in the butt era, in my opinion. And granted, that might be like a super huge stretch, but I've been very impressed for what, considering what the Bucks got Grayson Allen for, is they basically got Grayson Allen for like a bag of kettle corn. Maybe, you know, maybe Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies were doing us a solid because in the bubble, the Bucks just totally blew that game. I forgot who it was against, but it was to get the Grizzlies, I think, into the play-in or into the mm-hmm. playoffs. So, you know, maybe... The Grizzlies are just returning the favor and when they wanted to give us Grayson Allen for free. We salute you, the Grizzlies, for that. Uh, I echo a lot of what you said with Grayson. The thing that I've been impressed with most with him is, it, yes, the three-point shooting is great. Uh, I, I should say, so right now, Grayson Allen, I have the numbers pulled up here, is three-point attempt rate. Hold on. So when you think of guys who are the starting two guard for the Bucks, you have a Dante type. And you have, to me, like a Wesley Matthews type, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, are you a primarily three-point guy, or are you like a do-everything kind of guy? Um, so right now, so far this season, Grayson Allen, a 77.8% three-point attempt rate. Wesley Matthews in his season for the Bucks, for the Bucks was at 70.4. And Dante, last year, was at 57.4. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very stylistically different kind of guy. Uh, Grayson is a much more accomplished three-point shooter. And the other thing is... Very decisive with the ball. I think Dante, a lot of the time, because he trusts his athleticism, he'll use that to get into like position to score, and then he'll just kind of figure it out as he goes along. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that Dante doesn't have like an idea of like, here's what I'm going to do. But against the Knicks, for example, I think it was in the second quarter, Grayson gets the ball, starts driving. Grayson's way more willing to like absorb contact to around the rim, which I appreciate. But then Grayson immediately like two dribbles in, kicks out like cleanest pass ever to George Hill who like scores the three or whatever. High basketball IQ. It, that's it's just he knows exactly a step or two ahead of what he's going to do without necessarily telegraphing to the defense what he's going to do. I don't think that's the case for Dante. Dante's effective in his own way, but a lot of it's sort of chaos machine where like I'm going to drive and try and figure out like, how many times have we seen Dante get in the air and he has to like go under <laughs> his legs to like kick it to Giannis or whatever. <laughs> It's just he puts himself in difficult positions, right. and Grayson hasn't necessarily done that. And does that mean that um, Grayson is going to be the end-all, be-all? I don't think so because Wesley Matthews did a lot of similar stuff. He's like, mm-hmm. I do threes, or I like kick it out. And Wesley Matthews did not step up for us when we needed him in like yep. the bubble or whatever. So it's not like this is going to be perfect. I think Dante having a little bit of everything is nice, but I've just really been impressed so far with Grayson Allen. It Absolutely. looks like a bet that has paid off well. Uh, the, the extension... John Heist with that extension. John what a Heist. John Heist with go. that extension. So, yeah, I've just I've liked a lot of what he's done so far. So, good on you, Agreed. Grayson. Okay, so I would say that's two. Uh, that's one bad acquisition so far. Two decent ones and one good one. That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. Absolutely. Out of four, I'll take that. All right. Well, that's enough talking about basketball. Uh, we're going to go take a quick ad break. After the break, uh, we'll do some rapid fire questions, some predictions, and our usual miscellaneous topics. We'll be right back. All right. We're back. Uh, Andrew, you know the yes. rapid fire questions. I have plenty written for you. Not that many. We'll see if they're actually all there rapid fire, but are you ready for them? 
I am ready as I'll ever be. Okay. So I'm not sure if you've seen the Max Kellerman clip where he's like, if the aliens from Mars are here, if they have the death ray. So same situation. The aliens are at Earth. They have the death ray pointed at Earth. Mm-hmm. And you have to choose one player to make a three to save the Earth. Thanasis or Shemi? Oh, my God. I mean, we're screwed either way. But if you had to choose one. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, I, it would have to be Shemi for sure. Not even a question. I mean, is Giannis on the floor? Because that might improve Thanasis' three-point percentage. Because when Giannis is on the floor, it's like Thanasis will die for this man. Yeah. It's crazy, but I'm going with Give me Shemmy. Okay. <laughs> Give me Shemmy Ojale as the death ray unleashes and the earth goes away. <laughs> uh, okay. What's your ideal breakfast? Oh, my ideal breakfast? Is, I'm not a big breakfast guy, but my ideal breakfast here, I love hash browns. So some hash brown potatoes, but I like the hash browns that are, they're grated potatoes. So nice yes, and thin, they yep. get crispy. I'm a big crispy potato guy here. Okay. So give me some... So it's on a very, very Midwestern. I'm a big freaking crispy potato guy, okay? <laughs> right. And some crispy, crispy bacon and a nice over hard egg. And if you like your eggs running, no. Don't talk. As a kid, I did not like runny eggs. I'm okay don't with them now, but it's still, no, I don't know. It's still not my favorite. I don't mind them, but as a kid, we would, like, my mom would make eggs mm-hmm. and it would just be really runny. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, <laughs> really? I'm going to have to, like, use my toast to fix this? Really? God. Yeah, not a fan of runny eggs, but yeah, that that would be my ideal breakfast. Nice and easy. Is Brooks back actually hurt? We already kind of talked about this, but wh- where are your thoughts? Conspiracy, Brooke, is he actually hurt or no? Um, I think he is hurt granted to the extent of which I'm not quite sure. I think this is definitely a case of load management. I don't think you can be like, Hey, Adam Silver, we're just going to sit Brooke Lopez because he's old, you know, for two months. So I think, you know, it's funny. The Dodgers do this a lot where they manipulate the injured list where they'll throw six guys on a given week on the aisle. And it's like, well, they were, they just pitched like 10 innings. I'm pretty sure they were Mm -hmm. fine. But anyways, Mm -hmm. I think Brooke Lopez is, dealing with the little tweak but granted like i said the extent not not quite sure so i think this is definitely more load management than it is anything okay uh you're going out i know it's a little bit different for different restaurants beer wine or cocktail what's your base go-to drink of the three great houses it depends where i'm going if i'm going to like a fancy ish restaurant it's going to be wine but if i'm going like out to like a you know somewhere casual and they have some beer on tap it's going to be it's going to be beer. Uh, cocktails. I like cocktails, but I would rather, one of my favorite drinks is I'll drink uh, Tito's on the rocks. Just, you know, that's how it is. No, <laughs> right. I get that reaction a lot. No chaser or anything because I don't want to pay $15 for a cocktail that has like 95% just uh, sweetener and like mm-hmm. 5% alcohol. So I'd rather just get you know, like I said, I drink for the effect here, so yeah. I'm going to go with the Tito's on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final question for you. If you couldn't be a Bucks fan, who would be your, like, backup NBA TV order for? Let's say the Bucks just went away. Who would be your backup team? Oh, my backup NBA team. That's that's really tough. Uh, my backup NBA team. You know, I could tell you about a lot of teams I don't like. That I can tell you. But a backup NBA team, you, you think you got me. 
backup NBA team. Just give me give me a second here. Yeah, you're good. Wow. I haven't you, even really... We should note you're an Arizona-based fan. Uh, you're also from L.A. So would it be the Suns or either of the L.A. teams? Would it be no, a California Suns, team? You, you will never catch me rooting for the Suns. They're on their okay. fluke tour yeah. this season. So no, I'm totally <laughs> out on the Phoenix Suns and their annoying fan base. Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, backup NBA team. I think no. a lot of this for me, I've always, I've had the same thing where I was like, oh, like the Trailblazers are like kind of like a cool other like small yeah, team. that's a good point. Difficulty for me though, as like a, te- or a guy who's in the middle of the country, I can't do an extra like two hours behind. I can't, yeah, you, you, be you'd be a little bit better, like mm-hmm. in a better position. But like for me, it's like, I can't stay up to nine for like the actual start you know, of the game. I think it would be the Bulls. They have Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine, two huge you know, I figured I'd get that reaction. The two huge UCLA guys um, don't like DeMar DeRozan at all. You know, I like players from different teams, so I can't see myself committing to root for another fan. Or for another you, team, you would but. become like a, a fan of, of players rather right. than a fan of, it's okay. Right. So, yeah, kind of sorry if I disappointed. No, that's all right. 10 listeners. <laughs> don't, just don't say the Bulls. That's that's horrendous. Well, just, I'm going to scrub that and just skip to the, I'm a fan of the players. Okay. Uh, thank you for the rapid fire answers. Uh, we're going to skip the fountain pen section just because I already talked about Iron Gall last week. Uh, but we will talk quick predictions for the week ahead. Uh, sure. The Bucks. They start. Oh, I didn't even cons- didn't even add in the uh, Washington game. So they start the week tonight uh, in Washington D.C. Uh, it's a five. I think maybe I think it's a five game East Cape, East Coast road trip. So tonight yeah. against Washington, uh, they're in Philly on Tuesday. They're in New York to play the Knicks on Wednesday. They play Boston on Friday, and they play Atlanta on Sunday. Pretty full week of basketball. Yep. Um, those five games. What would be your record? Guest record. Okay, so I'm going to go. They're going to win. I think they're going to beat the Wizards. Um, I don't like the Wizards. I don't like Bradley Beal. Kyle Kuzma, they will be on the Guangdong Sharks in, in about a year. Um, I think they'll win. Uh, they might put The Wizards might put up some points, but I think you know the Bucks should take care of them. Granted, we don't know who's going to play. So that, put an asterisk there. I don't know. Uh, I think they're going to lose to Philly on Tuesday. I don't like losing to Philly. I don't like the 76ers at all. I think Ben Simmons is a coward. And I'm going to say overall, so win, loss, and then I think they're going to get their revenge at the Garden on Wednesday. We know Giannis typically plays pretty well there. But I think they're also going to take care of the Celtics. Celtics are in just complete disarray. I think Jason Tatum might be one of the most overrated superstars, quote-unquote superstars in the NBA. can have that conversation later. And then I think they actually drop a game to our crybaby friends in Atlanta on Sunday. Granted, you know, you take free throws away from, it's great. The NBA has done a great thing. James Harden has been nullified to like a McDonald's worker right now. And <laughs> look at, look at the, the Hawks. Trey Young is just doing a bunch of crying. I'm just going to say this. I'm a huge John Collins guy. Um, but, you know, you take the free throws away and the Atlanta Hawks are kind of just, eh, uh, mice Trey, as I like to call him. Uh, so like, what do you do without free throws, my man? Like, you're just mm-hmm. like throwing your body into guys hoping to get um, contacts. It was super funny. So Hawks just played the Phoenix Suns last night. And I guess they were protesting a call, whatever. Trey Young was crying like he usually does. And I guess the Atlanta bench was talking to one of the referees. And this was caught on camera. Perfect angle. And I guess they were asking like, oh, why wasn't there a call like on Trey? 
and the referee just motioned like did the crybaby hands and it was <laughs> it was hilarious it just sums up the Atlanta Hawks but I think the Sunday is that a day game it's a five o'clock game so it's it's okay. not a full day game all right um Better chances there than a Matt yeah, no, yeah. Bucks game. But yeah, I still think the Sunday, granted, it's a huge, pretty huge East Coast road trip. And it's always the last game of the road trip. is pretty difficult. I'm going to say two and three. I think they will, for my heart's sake, I hope they beat Philly. Uh, I think they, I agree with you. They will beat the Knicks. They'll get their revenge. Um, Washington, they're sort of like the Knicks where they're high flying. Good start mm-hmm. to the season. Uh, again, we're going to be down quite a number of guys. Right. I, I think by the time Philly and the Knicks and we kind of move on from there, Drew will kind of be a little bit more up to speed. So I'm hoping he'll do okay there. Mm-hmm. But I think losses to Washington, Boston as a fluke, maybe like a rest game in the middle of yeah. the road trip. And like you said, Atlanta, you know, people, the guys just sort of don't care. They're like, I'm ready to go home. So I think all of that combined, uh, they're going to be away for a while. The The, the Philly game is kind of tough because they're going to go to the White House on Monday or tomorrow, oh, I guess. I forgot. That's really cool. I'm excited to see that. That is cool, um, but they maybe they're gonna get super. It'll be like a Miami nightlife uh, sort of game, but with Joe Biden, baby. <laughs> so uh, look out for that trap game against Philly. But I think they'll go two and three this week. Um, people will just kind of continue to be upset that we're treading water right now. Mm-hmm. But that's the Buck season so far. So two and three for me as well. Um, Joe Biden nightlife undefeated. Baby. <laughs> Uh, okay, wonderful. Well, Andrew, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you on the social media if you want to plug it? Yeah, you can find my always pretty mediocre crappy tweets at, at Andrew G underscore NBA. And, you know, Mitchell and Adam, for some reason, were crazy enough to let me do a lot of the brew hoop tweets for game day. Kyle, selfishly enough, decided that they were going to have a second child. So that <laughs> uh, understandably took him away from uh, the brew hoop Twitter. So big shoes to fill there. So if you see a bunch of Pretty lame tweets on the Brew Hoop article on uh, the Brew Hoop uh, Twitter sphere. Direct complaints to at Andrew G underscore NBA. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, you can find all our usual work at brewhoop.com. We got my Monday morning media roundup. Uh, we got John's uh, extended forecast. We got Van's uh, progress report. We got a whole bunch of stuff going on all the time. Obviously, game coverage. Um, we're going to be trying to maybe run a weekly staff chat for people to join in on. I hope to do a little trial of that sometime this week, but we got a whole bunch of stuff going on over at the sites. Uh, like Andrew said, you can find us at brew hoop on uh, Twitter. Uh, obviously if you are so inclined, please rate review the podcast. We don't plug it all that often, but I suppose it helps if you do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>